everyone. Welcome to the Bonafide Legal Podcast. This is Florence Bremer. I'm your host. Bonafide Legal Podcast is a weekly podcast to help attorneys and business owners with time management and lifestyle tips. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother, wife, movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, restaurant lover, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. Besides all that, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer since 1999. This podcast discusses the struggle between the balance between your work and your personal life. All right, so this week I'm going to talk about potential changes in post-pandemic law offices and businesses and where I feel my business might be going. And I'm also just going to give a recap of last week. So last week, I did not have my associate and she's back from vacation. Like, thank goodness. I'm so happy. (laughs) She was back yesterday and it, it felt like the sun came out. My legal assistant is still out. It might be another week, maybe. Um, a few days to a week, she's hoping, and I'm very, very excited to get my staff back. A great staff is very, very important in whatever office that you have. So last week, it was just me. And as I record this, I'm recording this on Tuesday morning. And as I have said before, my goal from the beginning, which I kept up pretty well for two and a half years was to always record either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday and release the podcast during the weekend. I've been having the hardest time with that. I feel like the weekend is a blur. I have so much going on during the weekend. This weekend, actually, I worked a ton. So I just wanted to recap that a little bit. So last week, I had bunch of court, like a bunch, um, hearings every day. And including on Tuesday, I had a three hour trial where I just had to lock the office and put up a sign that says we cannot come to the door. Um, we are in trial. (laughs) So they probably were like, how are you in trial and can't come to the door? Well, with things being virtual, that's the way it's going. And it's fine. I like I, I can't explain how I feel about the virtual trials. In some ways it works great, in other ways it's just not as good. I enjoy the it eliminating the travel. Because in the past I would drive oh, let me think about this. Maybe about 500 miles a week. Now I'm doing maybe I don't know, 100 or 200 miles a week. And that's my husband, like, also taking the car and, you know, doing something too. Um, So just not putting the miles on my car as I used to. Also, the summer was much more enjoyable. I did not have to wear a suit every two seconds. It it made a huge difference um, to be able to just put on a dress and sit at a desk But it's also more difficult when you're trying to do client communication. My client um, appeared on video at her own location. 
I've had clients also come in to the office and we'll sit next to each other during the trial. I don't know which one is better. They both have pros and cons. The problem with your client being in a different location is if you need to communicate with them, it's not really possible. Sometimes the client will send you an email and you are checking for your emails, but you're also on the entire time. So you can't just be scrolling through emails um, you know, to communicate with your client. I had an oral argument yesterday and my client appeared on the phone and we didn't really need to communicate. It was an oral argument, but she had sent me a couple emails during the hearing, just a couple of comments, no big deal. And it's nothing I saw until after it was over. I mean, I was on, I was speaking. I couldn't be looking through my emails. So in any event, there's pros and cons to that. The con to having your client in the office is you're both wearing masks and sitting right next to each other. And that actually makes it a little bit more difficult. And it's hard when it is, you can really only have one screen. I have seen a couple of attorneys try to have two laptops in the office where their client's on a laptop and then they're on a laptop. It's failed every time. It just causes this huge echo. So they have to be on the the same device. So that was um, one of my hearings. And then there was a day that I went to the office and these are days that I really, really hate where I'm sitting in my chair and working and the sun sets on me. Like it just the whole day goes by and before I know it, I'm sitting in the dark. <laughs> and um, so that was the week. So Friday, I actually did not have anything on the schedule. I had to go to the court and have some things filed. So I made a bit of fun out of it where I took my um, two kids that live in my house, you know, one of them is an adult, a kid, and my grandson, and we went to the court and the court was moving fast. Like I just got my stuff filed. Like that was a, that was super fun and came out, hopped in the car and we went out to IHOP for pancakes. And my other daughter and her baby met us. And it was just a nice breakfast. I drank a lot of coffee. We were laughing. And I was not really thinking about the office. Then we went home and um, I did a little bit of work at home. And then finally I said, it was like 3 o'clock. I said, you know what? I need to go to the office for like an hour. I have to get the mail. I have to check my messages. Like I can't not go into the office for the whole day. So I set a timer. It actually ended up being, I think an hour and a half, an hour, 45 minutes. My hours never work out to be in an hour. And, um, I got to the office and I had a ton of phone calls on the voicemail, went through the phone calls and, um, took care of some other things and headed out. So that was Friday, and it was just a week where I was exhausted. And sometimes when I have those weeks where I'm really, really exhausted, I know this is going to sound completely insane, one of the things that helps me is actually getting some work done. Um, so I, I had this project that I had needed to work on for a whole week. I had a two-week deadline. I'd been carrying it with me everywhere I went, 
And I thought, I'm just going to write it out longhand. There was one part that I had to um, incorporate from a docket. And so that part, I figured out, you know, when you like find a way to do something and you're like, yay, it just worked out so well. I found this great way to recreate the docket that I needed for this document. And it worked out so nice. So I did that. And that felt like such a huge accomplishment. And then I had this other part that I had to write out these issues. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to write it out longhand. And my oldest daughter and I, by this point, it's like a little after seven. And my oldest daughter and I were said, why don't we watch something? And then we watched, um, we started watching The Haunting of Bly House, which is the second part after The Haunting of Hill House. They're doing it like um, American Horror Story, where the next season is a completely different story. Uh, Fargo does that too. A couple different shows do that. And I, I think that works really well for a show where... I'm like, wow, that's just genius. And what else works great is like on American Horror Story, you can later bring back elements from other stories into these stories, either subtly or bring back the characters. Like in American Horror Story, when they did Apocalypse, they brought back the witches from Coven, who I loved. I loved Coven. I loved American Horror Story Coven. So, um... The Haunting of Hill House is, has to be one of my all-time favorite series. It was legitimately terrifying at points. You love, They toggled between when the family was a young family with young kids and when they were adults. And it had such a great story and then extremely scary, shocking moments. Like, I loved it. So we started The Haunting of Bly House it doesn't, I think we watched two, almost three episodes. It's not The Haunting of Hill House, but it's good. I was enjoying it more than my daughter was. She was um, going, oh, I want, you know, The Haunting of Hill House was so scary. I said, well, this is different, but I still like it. You know, they, it's interesting, like they're doing some interesting things. And um, I don't think you could, you know, if you do the same exact thing, then... Everyone says you did the same exact thing. So I was enjoying it. And I wrote out longhand this project I had to do. And when I finished, I felt like the greatest accomplishment ever. So I went to bed kind of early, got up early, took my grandson on a long walk. And now the mornings are glorious. So we walked for, I think, about four miles. Almost recreated. Like I have my perfect walk that I do on Saturday which comes out to just shy of five miles. We cut it a little bit short. I'll tell you another thing that's been happening to me is that my back has been bothering me like crazy. It's been having spasms. It's been tight. It's just felt terrible. And on, um, I think this was Thursday or Friday. I think on Thursday, I went to the chiropractor because it, there's the thing with my back, it's my low back, but then it radiates up and I have a headache. And I was really, really feeling that a lot of this pain was stress-induced because every time I would think about my to-do list, I would feel the spasm in my back. And 
it felt like I needed rest, but it also felt like I needed activity. Like I couldn't figure out what I needed, but I definitely needed a clear head and I wasn't getting that. And so I went to the chiropractor on Thursday and when he adjusted my neck, it didn't provide instant relief, but a little bit later I really felt like, oh, all right, it's, it's loosened up and my headache was gone. So that was good. So on Friday, I booked a massage for Saturday. And so that was another one of the things I said to myself, if I can make it through this week, I'm rewarding myself with a, with a massage, if I can get in. And so luckily, I was able to, I scheduled something for Saturday morning. So I took my grandson on that long walk, got back, um, had some coffee, went to the massage, like, it was great. And then did something a little bit different. Like I, I had worked, I worked on and off during Saturday. I had also had, besides my project that I write, wrote longhand that I was telling you about, it, at some point I had to put it on the computer. So I took care of that. And then I had a brief that I needed to write. So I started working on that. I had been working on it for months and was working on it I'm not joking. I work on it like a half an hour at a time, not be able to come back to it for a few days, get back on it and, and, and take care of it. Well, now the, the due date is here. And so I had to spend some real time, real chunks of time. So I did that on Saturday, which also continued over to Sunday. So on Saturday, my daughter said, could we go out to dinner? This is my daughter with the baby. Her husband just started a new job at a restaurant called Pomodoro. It's in Cave Creek. I highly recommend it. I have not had a restaurant review in quite some time. I haven't been going out. Uh, this restaurant was delicious. If you just take Cave Creek Road north, you will see it. It's where the old Cartwrights is. So if you're an Arizona listener, maybe this makes sense to you. It's Italian. The owners are from Italy with their beautiful accents. And they had a really fun menu. And my favorite Italian food is a simple pasta. A pasta with a garlic sauce and with garlic and maybe pepper. Like that's my favorite thing in the world. I also make a vegan um, spaghetti carbonara. But when I did eat meat, carbonara was one of my favorite which is basically spaghetti and bacon and eggs. And I can I created a vegan version of it because I missed the real version so much. So um, we went there and I had something called spaghetti pomodoro. And it was just a wonderful spaghetti noodle, cherry tomatoes, burrata, and garlic, basically. <laughs> and just tossed and... Uh, like wonderful, like a little bit pan fried, I'm sure. And it tasted so good. My daughter went a little bit all out. She did lobster tail and I had a bite of it and it was delicious, but, um, I'd take my spaghetti any days. And we had a zucchini flour for, um, an appetizer, which I loved. Like that was great. And they give you complimentary Prosecco when you sit down and Prosecco may be one of my all time favorite drinks. <laughs> so I loved it. Just loved it. And then we had a great dessert. They have cannoli and tiramisu. 
Um, but then they had a brownie sundae, and for some reason a brownie sundae sounded great. So we enjoyed that. So all around enjoyable. So that we did a very, very early dinner because we brought the baby. So you can only have so much time that you can have him in the high chair. And the whole time you're entertaining him. So he had toys, he had videos, he had food, and he ate a ton of my spaghetti. So he's like his mima where he loves the simple spaghetti. So it was um, fun. And then we got home, got him to bed. And my daughter and I, I had always wanted to do this and I had never done this. Harkins theaters, and I think other theaters do it too. They'll play an old movie and they will, and they'll charge you like five bucks to go see it. And so for Halloween, they're having a different Halloween movie every weekend. And last weekend they had Nightmare on Elm Street, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. So we went and saw it at 9 p.m., which is so late for me. Like, usually I'm in bed by then. Um, but we got popcorn, and I had a lemonade, and um, I, for some reason I had been craving candy. I hadn't had candy in forever. And so I got, like, a little bag of Snickers, the Snickers Bites, and had those as well. And it was looked so different when you see it on a big screen. I've seen this movie probably... I don't know, a lot, 10 or 15 times. And some of the scenes um, where you are seeing it on the big screen look so different. Nightmare on Elm Street maybe has one of my all-time favorite scenes in a movie. And it's about the it's about five minutes long. It's when Nancy falls asleep in the classroom and then like the next five minutes from that. Like it's the perfect scene. A lot of the other movie is cheesy. Like there was one part where Nancy went to a sleep clinic and they put these probes on her head, like sensors, um, kind of like if you got an EKG and they put those circles on you, but they just taped these wires to her face. They taped two to her forehead and one to her chin. And my daughter and I started laughing so hard because we thought, what is this monitoring? <laughs> and then they had this weird monitor and it was really funny. And um, then in the doctor's office, supposed to be this, you know, doctor, the scientist who um, is, is an expert on sleep. And there is a poster of a cat riding a San Francisco trolley, like the trolley's miniature, so the cat looks big. And I'm like, what is this poster? Like, it was so funny. Um, so it was good. We had a really good time. Got home around 11, which isn't the latest in the world, but still, you know, for me, late. So that was the weekend. And um, Saturday or Sunday, it was a ton of work. We, we did our Sunday dinner. And then um, Sunday night, I had, I had a couple of goals. I had to finish the first draft of the brief. And I also had to go through my emails, which I hadn't touched all weekend. So of course, when I log in, everything is frozen. And I had to go to the office and reset everything. So it just put a, it took my plans of what I was trying to do and just threw them out the door. So now I'm just getting this very, very late start on what I'm trying to do. And then by the time I finished the draft of the brief, got it emailed back to the office, went through all the emails, there was about 200 it was um, 11 o'clock. So I was like, shoot, 
and I had court the next morning, the first thing in the morning. In fact, this week, it's just court. Yesterday, I had court. Um, as I record this, I have court in an hour. And then Wednesday is all day court, and I have to go to a location for it. And then Thursday, I have to go to court up north. And then Friday, um, more of an out of the office meeting. So that is my whole week where and and uh, and three of them I'm actually out of the office, which is unusual. So that brings me sort of to my next topic, which is what is the post-pandemic law office going to look like? Well, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in court. I think a lot of the judges are going to be going to a virtual format even when things are safer to get back to being in court. I'm finding that in many, many instances, the virtual format works pretty well. The Probably the biggest problem with it is the glitches with the technology. For instance, when we were doing the trial... I probably, on my side, and I never ever figured it out, on my side, I probably froze up, I don't know, 10 times, and it was extremely annoying, and at one point, I was going to call in, and I called in, and I put it on speakerphone, and it's all echoey, and I had muted on GoToMeeting, but the court said, oh, no, you can't have it on speakerphone because then it will echo. And I'm like, why would it echo if I'm on speakerphone? But whatever. And then I unfroze, so I went back to the to the screen again. But had a couple of instances where the judge would go, oh, Miss Brummer, you're freezing. Um, and so that just was extremely annoying. And it happens. It, it's not just on my end. The court will freeze up. The court will change to an echoed voice and there's been a million things one of the parties will drop off and then come back on there's just been a million things where the things will change during the hearing but I think in the long run I think a lot of that is going to stay the court I've heard is going to be trying a new format and so that may be better and then a lot of judges will stick with it. Um, I think the judges enjoy not having people come into the courtroom. Um, and it's working. Like, work is getting done. Hearings are getting done. I mean, my schedule is filled up. Things are not getting pushed back. And the court has a lot of backup that they're trying to work through. And I think doing it video and telephonically is going to help them get more in. Okay, um, what about offices? So I'll tell you something I'm so glad about. I have a very small office, like in the big scheme of things. Like to me, it's large, but it's about 1,100 square feet. And I have um, myself and two other employees. I could have another employee work um, there at the office. Like it would work in terms of um, space, like there's another office space, I probably even could get more people in, I probably could put a desk where the copy area is, 
and I could probably turn the conference room into a sometime work area. So there's plenty of room for extra people to work. And for, for my staff, totally, we have like more, more room than we need. But if I needed a couple more people, I could probably get two or three more people in there. And not that I do need that, but like that's an, it's an option. So um, I um, have, like I said, this 1,100 square feet. In the past, I have considered a bigger office. For a while, the office space next to me was for sale, and it was also probably about 1,100 square feet, maybe a little bigger, maybe a little smaller. And I thought, if I had these two offices, wow, I'd have this great big giant office. And at the time, I was thinking, I'm not, not really sure that I need it, but wouldn't it be nice to have it? Thank goodness I didn't do that, because really, honestly, it's not necessary. I have enough space to do what I want to do. Occasionally, like if I have an in-person deposition and the other side is a bigger law firm, bigger law firms tend to have more attorneys on the case. So they might have two or three attorneys come and if they have their clients come who might be one to three people and then you have the court reporter and then you have me and my client and maybe a, you know, a second client and then all of a sudden we're 10 people in the conference room. Those are the only times that it gets a little bit tight. Otherwise, in a regular deposition, it's fine. Regular meetings are fine. Every once in a while, I'll have like a, like a family comes in. Like a family, a whole family's doing an estate plan. They bring everybody in or people bring in their parents. And, and they're talking about estate planning with their parents. Um, so... then maybe it's like a little bit more crowded, but not terrible. So I have enough room. And so I'm like, okay, great. 1100 square feet works for when I have the in-person meetings. I think um, for a lot of people, the amount of in-person meetings will start to be cut down. I think a lot of people will resort more to Zoom and telephone than they did before. I feel like in the past when people wanted to schedule something, they just said, I'd love to meet you face-to-face. That is not the fallback. That is not the, that's not where they start. You you know, sometimes people do, sometimes they don't. Um, A lot of times they'll say, hey, could we just set up a Zoom meeting or could we um, just set up a telephone meeting? And great. And a lot of times, too, if it is a telephone meeting, I can maybe even accommodate it right then, um, depending on what my schedule is like. So I think that there's going to be a lot more of that, at least for a long time. I think it's going to be a while before people resort back to the default of coming into the office. Although, I will tell you this, after my court hearing today, I have all day people coming in. This will be the first time in quite some time where I've had all day in-person meetings. It's usually one to two in-person meetings and then the rest are telephone or Zoom. So I'm not sure what's special about today, but it's a lot. And we still have our protocols going on, which is the cleanup between each meeting. So, um, 
<laughs> more on my feet getting things cleaned up. That's for sure. Also, taking a step back again to the amount of space, I have been to many, many law firms over the years. And some of them are so breathtakingly beautiful, like you can't even get over it. You walk in and it's all windows and you're looking out at the city of Phoenix. You're looking out at Camelback Mountain and their lobby is humongous. And then they'll have a floor of conference rooms where they'll have maybe 10 conference rooms. And then on other floors, they will have all the attorneys and sometimes more conference rooms. And I wonder how much of that is going to exist anymore. I think on the bigger law firms, I think there's going to be a lot of downsizing. I can understand the need for the meeting spaces, but in offices, I think there may be a lot of more shared offices. There might be a lot more teeny offices. I have a friend who works at um, what you would call a mid-size firm. And I think there's probably 20 or 25 attorneys. Pretty much everyone is working from home. And they have a receptionist and another person at the office. And then otherwise the attorneys are kind of coming and going. And their assistants are working from home. And they're, you know, popping into the office when they need to. But otherwise they're working from home. Why would you keep paying for all this space? At some point, your lease is going to expire. Do you need two to three floors of offices for people who aren't there anymore? And I think a lot of that will continue. So I think we'll be looking at a lot of downsizing on commercial spaces. That is my, that is my um, prediction. Okay. What about working together as a team? I think it works together like I said, I have a smaller office, so we're together a lot. But in the event that someone is working from home, we text. We'll text, hey, like, do you remember this? Or do you know where this is? Or I had a quick question. Or this person called and they said whatever. So text is our communication. I know like a lot of people will use like an instant messenger. My office is not big enough for it. But I think that Working together as a team is very important, and there's tools that you can do for it. So, um, you know, to encourage your staff to keep working together and to have tools for them to work together is very, very important. Another thing I think you're going to find is just a very, and this goes along with the downsizing of large office spaces, you're going to find very flexible law offices. So there has been a shift. I mean, I worked for a firm in the, um, let's see, when did I work there? 99 to 2001, before I went off on my own. And it was not flexible. When you wanted to work, you came to the office. Every once in a while, I would bring home like a contract or something to look at. But for the most part, you worked at your desk. And it always drove me a little bit crazy because I was an associate. I was low man on the totem pole. And that meant not being in client meetings. That meant not being in court and just sitting in my office. So what was the purpose of me just sitting at my office all day? 
if a partner wanted to talk to me, they picked up the phone or sent me an email. They rarely came down the hall to talk to me. Occasionally, they'd say, hey, can you, you know, come into my office or just pop into my office. But for the most part, they'd pick up the phone or they'd email you something and said, okay, can you look at this? Can you take care of this? So there is, um, I think, going to be a lot of flexibility. And I think a lot of people are going to demand a lot of flexibility. I always felt like with millennials that they were really changing things up. They had a very good idea of when they wanted to take vacation, when they wanted to not be available. They were coming in with a different perspective of law practice, which was not working 80 hours a week at your desk while you're wearing a suit and not talking to anyone. They were doing things different. So this is even pre-pandemic. Now post-pandemic, other people are seeing it different, not just the young people. Um, Older attorneys, they'd rather work more at home. I've talked to tons of government attorneys who are working from home like crazy. Like when in the past would that ever have been a thing? So I think you're going to see a lot of differences in the flexibility of of law practice and what's going to happen. Another flexibility thing for me, and just another tip of something I used, I needed some help last week when I had no help. There's a service out there called Law Clerk where you can post projects. So obviously it doesn't work for everything. Like for instance, I had a huge brief to write. This is something where I know the client and I know my arguments, so I just can't hand it over to someone else. But I had um, two complaints that needed to be written, um, a petition for modification and a, a small research project. I posted them all to the law clerk, was very satisfied with the work, and um, I'm probably going to post some more things this week to just try to get some more just try to get back on top of everything again. Um, We are behind. (laughs) I feel very, very behind. And to get back into the swing of things, um, you know, to maybe get some of the smaller work assigned to someone else, it would be great. Okay. Um, I have a couple of pop culture referrals for you. I, the other night when I was working, I put on the movie The Departed. I probably have mentioned this movie a lot. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's probably my favorite Scorsese movie, which is saying a lot because of how much I love Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street and some of his other movies. But The Departed, it may be one of my all-time favorites. Every time I watch it, I feel like I see something new. And um, I watched it probably three times before I had this revelation, this like big plot point, where I'm sure people who watched it the first time got it. I don't know why I was slow to the taking on it. I don't want to give it away if you've never seen it, but I just, I love this movie. Like you have to watch it. The performances are amazing. It was probably one of Jack Nicholson's last great performances. And I don't mean that he doesn't have great performances. He always has great performances. But I hear that he is maybe has dementia now and so he's not acting and this was when he was acting and it's a a great performance like very very Jack Nicholson and I don't think anyone else could do it the way he did it 
Um, Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio are in it, and they are both amazing. Mark Wahlberg might have one of my favorite parts in it, and it's a teeny part. It's a teeny, teeny. I think he was nominated for an Oscar from it, from this little part where he just, um, every time he is in a scene, it's amazing. I bet if you added up all his scream time, it would be like 10 minutes. And then Alec Baldwin has a great part, and same thing, maybe 10 minutes. Okay, um, what else have I been doing? Oh, if you have not been on Amazon Prime lately for streaming, they have a ton of great new movies on there. I feel like it's um, a better selection than Netflix right now, which is really how I don't feel about Prime usually, but lots of lots of good movies. That's where I watched The Departed, for instance. I'm reading a book called Eve's, Eve's Hollywood, which is about Eve Babbitt's. This is another one of those books about 1960s, 1970s Hollywood. She was a person who was considered like a muse to a lot of musicians. And she also was a writer and just had a very interesting life. You know, like new Jim Morrison, you know, like things like that. And um, this author, and I can't remember the author's name of, of the book, she heard of Eve Babbitts and went and found her and kind of did a biography of her, but it reads like fiction. It reads like a dream. So it's, it's very good. And I've mentioned before, I love Hollywood from always, like always old Hollywood, like through the 70s, like going from the 20s to the 70s. And this has that great feel for it. I'm still working my way through Hamilton. I figure at the rate that I'm going, it might take me six months. It's a very, very thick book with small type. And um, the type is close together. It is uh, almost like, like the type in a Bible. So it takes forever to get through it. But it's very interesting. I love it. I love it. And the songs of Hamilton keep going through my head as I read it. As I told you, um, I started The Haunting of Bly House. I'll recommend it. I'll let you know when I finish it up how I feel about the end. And if you haven't listened to the podcast, The Film Vault, lately, I was the sponsor two weeks ago. And if you have a chance to listen to it, that would be great. They did a great uh, read on my spot, and I was very, very touched. Um, they put more into it than I deserved, and it's a podcast that I love. I love Anderson and Brian, and they always keep me up to date on what movies I should be watching, and it's um, doing the research for me when I haven't had a lot of time for movies lately. So you can find my, excuse me one second. <coughs> you can find my podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes under Florence Legally Brunette, Bonafide Legal Podcast. You may also be able to find me on Amazon Podcast too. I have been submitted, but I don't have a verification yet. I'll have to check up on that. You can also find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram under Florence Legally Brunette. You can find me on Facebook, my personal page, and my law office page. You can find me at my website, brummerlaw.com, and I'm also on Patreon. Thank you so much 
for listening to the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate the comments. I'll be back next week and hopefully recording during the weekend. Bye-bye.